This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, September 28, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. Military spending consumes a huge chunk of the federal budget, and that spending is driven by how much our military does. So how do we cut what our military does and then cut the spending that goes along with it? Benjamin Friedman is a research fellow in defense and homeland security studies at the Cato Institute. He's co-author of the new report, Budgetary Savings from Military Restraint. The Department of Defense recently announced an efficiency initiative where they're going to try to become more efficient in the sense of shifting money from administrative costs or overhead to force structure. And that's brought on by pressure uh, to save money that occurs from the deficit and also from the fact that personnel costs and operational costs are growing faster than the total defense budget. So force structure costs are getting squeezed by the growing cost of manpower, essentially. Gates has responded to that by canceling a couple weapons programs, but now by saying we gotta we got to find some give in the budget and we're going to cut overhead, and they've come up with a bunch of fairly sensible ideas about how to do that, closing Joint Forces Command uh, in Norfolk, Virginia, which I think was largely a waste of time and space that produced a lot of PowerPoint slides that were complicated that no one read, and uh, uh, getting rid of uh, the number of contractors and uh, the number of generals in the Pentagon. So I I think all those things are good ideas. What bothers me about it is that it's been portrayed in the media as a cut to the bottom line of the Pentagon. The Washington Post has repeatedly written that we're cutting the defense budget. I wrote them a letter that said, we're not cutting the defense budget, and they they gave my letter a title that referred to defense cuts, which I found to be ironic. Uh, so the, the the Pentagon budget is not being cut. Gates has asked for a 1% increase above inflation in perpetuity, uh, and uh, it's, it's somewhat upsetting to those of us who really want to cut the defense budget that this phony cut uh, is sort of stealing the political energy around uh, reforming the Pentagon and actually saving some money. Where is the low-hanging fruit for cutting military spending? There is low-hanging fruit in the sense of uh, – stuff like Joint Forces Command that seems sort of pointless, and there are some administrative costs that you can squeeze out. But at the end of the day, that's just not that much money in the grand scheme of things. The real money in the Pentagon comes as a result of missions. Because we do a lot of stuff, we need a lot of forces. Because we need a lot of forces, we need to pay a lot of salaries, we need a lot of vehicles, we need a lot of expensive vehicles, and we need uh, to put a lot of money into the operational costs of running the force. So if you really want to save money, what we say in this report, if you really want to save money, do less. If you do less, you can have a a smaller uh, force. It will cost you less to run it, and you can buy less expensive things. You can have less overhead because of it. And we even think that's having a smaller budget will force efficiencies. In other words, instead of saying become more efficient, uh, organizations like the military services become more efficient when you threaten their budgets, and they'll they'll cut fat away to protect the things they really like. So I think that's really how you get rid of overhead and waste. Where do you recommend? Uh, We recommend a whole series of cuts, uh, starting with the ground forces. We say the requirement that we occupy and fix countries has driven a large increase in the size of the Army and the Marine Corps, and we could reverse that cut uh, if we say we're not going to occupy and fix countries more or less on our own anymore. That's a lesson we take away from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Also, there aren't that many conventional wars left to fight. The amount of enemies we have in the world that we would fight uh, using a conventional force structure uh, full of tanks and heavy armored divisions, is uh, those enemies are disappearing. So let's uh, cut the army even beyond uh, where we were before we started increasing it. So we have heavy uh, cuts to the size of the army and, and to a lesser extent the size of the Marine Corps. We say we could go down uh, in the Navy to about eight carrier battle groups instead of the 11 we have now. 
uh, and uh, get rid of some a lot of the Navy ships. Uh, we say we should cancel the littoral combat ship program, which is a new frigate-sized craft that the Navy wants to use for operations near shores. That program has been very troubled. And we say we could get rid of a bunch of fighter wings in the Air Force. And those cuts are all justified around the idea uh, that if you have less missions, you need less force structure. Then we say, well, because we have less force structure, we could get rid of a lot of overhead. We could get a lot of uh, civilian personnel uh, in in the Pentagon. We can make a one-third cut in the number of uh, civilians that uh, work in the Pentagon across the services. And we could have a smaller intelligence budget. We recommend a 15% cut in the intelligence budget from its current roughly $75 billion a year, uh, and also a cut in the amount of money we spend on housing, because obviously if you have a sm- in, in construction, because if you have a smaller military, you need less real estate for it. So uh, that's sort of uh, the, the shape of the cuts we have, and they total $1.2 trillion over 10 years. What has happened to intelligence spending over the last couple of decades? It has exploded. Uh, it is, it's roughly doubled uh, since about 2000, the amount of money we spend on intelligence. It's kind of hard to know because we used to make it secret, but every now and then numbers come out that allow you to make these judgments, uh, measurements of how much it's grown. So we, it's, it's, I think it's more than doubled uh, in the last uh, six or seven or at least nine years. And, and even that amount was significantly higher than what we spent uh, in the middle of the Cold War. So we, we're spending a tremendous amount of money on intelligence, and a lot of it now is going to contractors. We've created this large core of uh, contracted intelligence, uh, and it's not really clear we're getting a lot of benefit for that money or any benefit at all in terms of better intelligence and more security. Just to give people an idea, how big does military spending uh, loom inside in the context of the federal budget? We spend about $550 billion on the base defense budget, $550 billion on the base defense budget now, not including the wars. And then there's a lot of other uh, spending in the government that if you were defining things broadly, you could define as defense spending. Homeland Security, veterans, not counting that, just counting the base budget. It's roughly 20% of federal spending. It's, it's smaller than entitlements by a large measure, obviously, but it's more than half of discretionary spending, non-mandatory spending in the federal government now. How should we think about the U.S. nuclear arsenal uh, today versus how we thought about it in the 70s and 80s. We think that we could cut the nuclear weapons, the nuclear weapons arsenal, independent of the cuts, uh, the recommendations we're making for a more restrained defense posture. So we say, look, if you do less stuff in the world, you can have a smaller defense budget. But I think even if we do all the stuff we're doing in the world right now, even if nothing changes, we don't need nearly the number of nukes we have because. They're far excessive of what we need to achieve deterrence. They were far excessive for what we needed to achieve deterrence against the Soviet Union. They're driven largely by bureaucratic politics in the United States. Uh, so we could cut down, we say, to 500 nukes based only on submarines and uh, ICBM. So we say get rid of the bomber leg of the triad, no matter what. And we can save a fair amount of money on that. Within, in DOD and the Department of Energy, which does a lot of the research on nukes, we say if we made this change, uh, we could save about $80 billion over 10 years. Benjamin Friedman is a research fellow in Defense and Homeland Security Studies at the Cato Institute. He's co-author of the new report, Budgetary Savings from Military Restraint. You can download a copy at Cato.org.